called the disciples' prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. <coughs> Don't know it. You guys have memorized five verses. Isn't that a clever thing? Let's recite that together. King James English or whatever English that you say it in, that's fine. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For God is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. God bless you. Take your seats, please. Good morning, everyone. We're going to look at the, the Lord's Prayer over the course of the next five Sundays. Um, and then we're going to start in the summer in the Psalms, June, the first Sunday in June. And that will run us right through until September. And then we'll jump back into uh, back into Mark, I'm hoping, where we left off some months ago. Um, if you'll turn, or you're already there, Matthew 6, verse 9, following. And we'll, we'll look at this. But let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're grateful again this Sunday that we can come into this building and worship you and sing songs of praise and adoration to you, Lord, and share in the fellowship of believers with you, Lord, today, share in the communion table with those that we love here in this building, Lord. I ask you to please be with us now as we look at your, your word, uh, give us ears to hear, and Lord, not that we just hear these things and, and say that's nice, but Lord, that we take and apply what we've learned today, and that we can use that within our family, friends, community, as we leave here today, Lord. We love you, it's your precious name I pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse verse 8. And Jesus is teaching, he says, So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then Jesus says in verse 9, Pray, then in this way, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen and amen. Jesus set up this prayer for a model for us. Not as a ritual that every time we come together, we, we have to pray in exactly this fashion. We are to pray for the needs that we have. We are to pray to, for, to, to adore Christ. This word we're going to look at today, Hallowed. I, I posted something about it earlier in this week. It's only used a couple times in Scripture, both times in the, in the Lord's Prayer. We don't use this word anymore. When was the last time you used Hallowed in a sentence was the question I posed to my friends. And I can honestly say in my... 58 years on, on this earth. I don't think I've ever used the word Hollywood in a sentence, but sure, uh, what's your name? Uh, Cheryl. 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 She came up with the perfect one. She said, I hollowed out my pumpkin. <laughs> no, that's not what I was talking about. This is a very serious, serious word. This word is what Christ focuses on on his opening statement. Hollywood be thy name. 
sanctify my name. Raise my name and elevate my name to the pinnacle of all. My name is to be hallowed amongst us. And that's what we have to do when we pray. We come together and we say, Lord Jesus, we hallow you. We adore you. We set our affections upon you. We set our minds upon you. We dedicate our lives to you. And as I say those things, the guilt mounts and mounts and mounts. Do I do those things? Do you do those things in your daily life? Every step you take, every breath you take, everything you do, do you do what Christ just says? Hallowed my name. I don't. And that, that should mount mountains of guilt upon me. But it doesn't. Because what Martin was talking about in the communion meditation, it's not about me. It's about him. He saved me. I added nothing to it. And I can come to the cross every, every time I get that guilt of emotion that rises up over me. It says, this week I didn't hallow his name. In this conversation I just had with my friend, I didn't hallow his name. The, the driving lesson that I gave Jan yesterday, she's driving like nuts. <laughs> I didn't hallow his name, right? But the guilt mounts. And it, what it does, though, is it focuses my attention on where I am short. And how Jesus says to me, this is what you need to do. You need to hallow my name. And God is a very, very jealous God. Not in the sense that we would think that, you know, uh, jealous in a human term, but he wants the focus, he wants the attention, and he wants our eyes cast upon him. And that's what I hope we can find today in this word, how would be your name. So I have three questions. First one is, what does this word mean? And today I will tell you, normally I don't use notes, but there's a lot of notes today. So... Um, because there's a lot of scripture that points to this Hollywood be this name. And what happens when we don't? Hollywood defined is to make holy, to consecrate, and to sanctify. When we hallow Christ, we set him apart in our lives. We sanctify him in our lives. We are growing towards the full knowledge of him as we are sanctified in our walk with him. We, when we come to faith in Christ at that very moment, you know, I've talked about this an awful lot, we're justified, we're, we're not justified ever again. We are justified in the very moment we come to faith in Him. And the sanctification is, as we go through this life, we are drawing closer to what He is. And we are going closer and closer and growing in our walk with Christ. That's what we're supposed to be like. This week, when I look back, and I wonder about my sanctification walk, would I open up that book and say, everybody, look at me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Don't look Thursday, and let's skip to Friday. I wasn't very sanctified on Thursday. But the good thing about that is, he didn't cast me aside. He didn't say, I saw that. And all kidding aside about the driving lesson yesterday, I was stressed out coming down 62 with her. She's got this charger, and it only has one speed, fast. And it comes with this really weird thing that I'll break on my side of the car. And I just couldn't understand. And it did raise the tension a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. No, not you. <laughs> I was not judged in my Christian walk based on me not liking the way she drove yesterday. I was judged and made guilt-ridden by the way I reacted to her and the way she was driving yesterday. I wasn't very sanctified. That's a public confession of where I fell apart yesterday. But I dare say if I said, okay, now your turn, Martin. You come up here and tell me what happened this week to you. Sure. Mm -hmm. Give me a, tell me something bad that happened. We'd all have something to say, wouldn't we? Mm -hmm. We would all have that 
in our lives. That does not define us as a believer. Jesus Christ defines us as Christians. Our walk with him is based on his love for us. When he called us, we came. And we bring nothing more than that. Sinners, broken, but saved by his grace. Sanctified in the sense that we're walking towards him all through this life. You know, I spoke a few weeks ago about, you know, taking a chance and not really committing your life to Christ. And you say, I've got some time to do it. And I, I often make comments about, you know, what happens if you get hit by a bus and you don't have time to make it up. True life story this week happened on Thursday. A friend of mine that I worked with, my boss back in New York, worked with him for probably 20 years off and on. Uh, he's 71 years old. And I had an email from his son on Thursday and said, his dad is gone at 71. I said, wow. He got up out of bed at night, he tripped, he hit his head on the nightstand, and he was gone. There was no time. There was no time when he put his head on the pillow and said, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow didn't come. The nightstand got in the way. Today's the appointed hour. Now we come to Christ. But his holding us is what keeps us secured. And he says, I demand that attention. I need you to look at me and say I'm holy. I need you to look at me and consecrate your life towards me. Hollow with me. Consecrate your life to me. And this word uh, refers to many things. In the Old Testament, it refers to vessels and things and people. We people have to consecrate our lives. We have to be fully committed to the gospel ministry. Not a fence hopper. Not a a convenient Christian, he says, consecrate your life towards me. And he takes it real seriously. Look at uh, Leviticus. I've been waiting for years to get into Leviticus. Huh? Leviticus 9.22. And some may think, you know, let's not look at the Old Testament to see what Christ was talking about in, in this Hallowed thing, but it, it, it plays out from the very beginning of Scripture to the very end, all the way through. God demands our respect and our love and our, our steadfastness towards Him and not playing games. This is where Aaron and his sons and Moses and it, Moses consecrated the, the, the sons, Nadab and Abinahu. And Aaron, or Adab and Abinahu went into the temple. They offered up the incense on the uh, censer, they call that thing. So it's called the, the, the hot thing. They swing, like in the Catholic Church, you see them swing this thing with the smoke. That's what they were doing. And in verse 13, he said, They handed the burnt offering to him in pieces with the head and offered them up in smoke on the altar. They also washed the entrails and the legs and offered them up and smoke and burnt offerings on the altar. This is foreign to us because we just had a real polite, kind communion that's clean. You know, no, no slaughter, no entrails to be washed. But this is the way God set things up. And then they presented the people's offering, and they took the goat and the skin of the offering, and which they it was for the people. And they slaughtered all offered for his for his the sin, like the first. And he also presented the burnt offering and offered it according to the ordinances, the way that it was laid out, they were offering it. 
And next, they presented the grain offering and filled his hand with some of it and offered it up in smoke on the altar and beside the burnt offering of, of the morning. Then he slaughtered the ox and the ram and the sacrifice of pieces offerings that was for the people. Aaron's sons handed the blood to him and sprinkled around on the altar. As for the portions of the fat from the ox and the ram and fat and the tails, the fat covering kidneys and lobe of the liver, aren't you glad we have a Christ that went to the cross? We don't have to do this anymore, right? His sacrifice was made full. His sacrifice on the cross is coming up out of the tomb. Nullified all of this. But this is what they were told to do. Let's skip down to uh, 22. Aaron, he lifted up his hands toward the people and he blessed them. And he stepped down after making a sin offering and burnt offering and peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went up to the tent of meeting. And when they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord fell down upon them. And it appeared all the people. And then the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the portions of fat on the altar. And all the people saw it and they shouted and they fell on their faces because the glory of God had just shown in this. God took it serious. God told them how to lay out the sacrifices, told the priests to go in and do it. They did it. God showed up and burnt the offering. He promised. Look what happened when things go awry. When people think, I've got a better way. I know that the Lord told me to do it this way, but I have a plan over here. And it doesn't fit into his plan. This is how we're going to do church. This is it. We're going to change everything. i got something new. Verse, or chapter 10. Now, Nadab and Abinahu, these were the sons of Aaron, consecrated Levitical priests. Moses and Aaron consecrated these guys, set them apart for service. The sons of Aaron, and they took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, they placed incense on it. So far, so good. And they offered strange fire before the Lord, which he did not command. This isn't what God told them to do. They had a better way of doing it. God wants us to take him serious. He commanded them to do it this way. They had a better plan. And the fire comes out of heaven again. In verse 3, or verse 2, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them because they had a better way. God commands us to focus on Him. Not to have a better way. Not to have a better scheme. He laid it out. You look at me. You face me. You come to me in faith. You accept me as, as your Messiah. Don't come up with a better plan. Don't say there's a 12-step program. If I get all these things in order, then I'll be a good Christian. If I give enough to the church, I'll be a great Christian. He doesn't care about that. He said, you turn to me in faith. Sanctify yourself. Hallow me. Come to me and you will be saved. Isaiah 10. 3 through 12. And now, you, these are some, some pictures of how serious God takes this. You are not to say it's a conspiracy in regards to all this people call conspiracy. You are not to fear what they fear. You are not to dread what they dread. This is important. 
He says, the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. That's the same word. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament before the New Testament was written, same word. Sanctified. Hallowed. The Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear. And he shall be your dread. Let him be your fear because he, you saw what happened to these guys when they had a better way. We can do it ourselves, Lord. Let the Lord be your fear, fear because he can annihilate you. Let him be your dread because he should be. We should esteem him for what he is. And, and you know, honestly, when I, when I have messages like this, and I was worried that someone's going to leave and say, man, I don't want nothing to do with that God. I don't want a God that's going to send fire down and burn people up. You don't have to worry about that. Don't come up with a better way. Don't come up with a different way of doing things. Fear the Lord. Respect the Lord. Sanctify the Lord. Hallow the Lord. And then you don't have to worry about it. God's name must be glorified in all of things that he does. In all of his attributes. In all there is about him. His name must be glorified. Psalm 115 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. We look towards God not out of fear. We don't, we don't stay Christians because we're scared and we don't want to be burned up like these two guys. We look to him and we all the praise and glory to him for his loving kindness. What loving kindness is there in that? There's not much, but there's loving kindness in the fact that he saved us, that he came from heaven as, as, as God-man. He walked this earth for some 30 years. He went to the cross. That's loving kindness. Because without Christ, without the cross, we would be destined for an eternity of hell. His loving kindness will keep us from that. Romans 11.36 For from him and through him and to him are all things. In Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a New Testament concept too. Paul, I mean, when I was looking at this, there was dozens and dozens. I've, I've got on the back pages, I think that's like nine points of, of, of just this, the glory to God. We won't get to, don't think, I, I won't keep you until three, but there's point after point after point. I don't know if I could get to point two. Romans 16, 25 and 27. Now to him, not to me, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of the eternal God. He has made known all nations, leading obedience of faith to the only and wise God through Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Amen. You see the theme? How am I named? Paul saw it. Paul wrote it. We have it. We have it in the scriptures. And it all points to, to Christ and how we should glorify him in all we do. Galatians 1, 3-5. Grace and peace from God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself 
for our sins. There's loving kindness in that. He gave himself for our sins, the wretched people that we are, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. Why? It's according to the will of our God and Father, so to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Philippians 4, 18 through 20. But I have received everything in full. Paul. I've, I have abundance. And we talk about that. We're just amazed at the abundance we have. You know, not monetarily, not, not you know, cars and house and all that stuff. But we are blessed with 39 years of marriage. Got it. <laughs> it's not joke. 39 years. We, we look at our life and we think, why us? Why has God been so gracious to us? And we've had some rocky stuff. We've had some nightmare stuff going on in our lives. But he threw it all. You know the story of the last, you know, 2013 with me is, boom, threw it all. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The fact is he's, he's kept us together for 39 years and, and five years before that and since high school. To him be the glory forever and ever. Right? Paul doesn't just wrap it up there. and He talks to his, his son in the faith. Timothy here says, 1 Timothy 1.17. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, and only God be honor and glory forever. Amen and amen. You see a theme in Paul's writings? Hebrews, the author of Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus Christ our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do His will, working in us, which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, whom glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallow, glory, sanctify. We're not going to get to all 25 points. <laughs> We need to pray to hallow his name. We need to live our lives in such a way that we hallow his name. When people look at us, when you're talking about your friend at the memorial service. When they look at us, I would, what, I'll say, when they look at me, I would hope that they would see what Martin just described this morning. He's a Christian. He's separate. He's different. They think I'm different and odd, but if they could look at me and say, he's a Christian. He emulates Christ in everything he does. I try and I strive, but I don't lose hope. Second question. Why is it so important that God's name be hallowed? We saw it with Adab and Abinahu, how important it was. They didn't esteem God's name, and God came down and smote them in King James. Took them out. Daniel 5, uh, Belshazzar. He didn't esteem God. Nebuchadnezzar, his father, was given everything. He, he, he had his hand, hand down from heaven. God said, you're going to be the guy. People are going to look to you. They're going to revere me because of you. And he blew it. Belshazzar comes in and says, I, I got a better way. And he did the same thing. Daniel was reading the writing on the wall to him. And was explaining the, what the translation was in the wall. Belshazzar says, give Daniel the purple robe. 
last verse, he's gone. Because he did not esteem God like he was supposed to. Romans 1.20. Paul writing to the Romans. And we saw that with a couple weeks ago how important this letter was. Phoebe, girl, took this letter to Rome. For since the creation, verse 20, chapter 1. For since the creation of the world, his, Christ's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen but understood through what was made so that we are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks. They did not hallow him. They did not esteem him. They did not set him in a worthy spot. But they in their futile minds, in their speculation, in their foolish heart, it was darkened. They had a better way. They were professing to be wise. We have a better way. Follow these steps. Do this and do that. Oh yeah, Christ. Of course. And sing a couple hymns and be feed the poor. Follow him. They were professing to be wise and they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image in the form of a corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. They put everything in place where Christ should be because they had a better way. Therefore, Paul says, based on everything just said, God gave them over to their lusts of their hearts of impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. The truth of God is that He loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son for you specifically. Your name. Your name was on the list. And the good thing about that is you're going to be on that list too. But if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, that list is the list that's up there in heaven now. And Jesus says you're on it. And I don't care what you do. You're not coming off this list. And I've done plenty of things that should have off, be gone, banished. And I have not been kicked out. He loves me. I repented of things. I turned to him in faith and repentance and said, Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me, a sinner. And he has. And I say that to you too today. Whether you, you know, you, you've been a Christian for 80 years or Savannah, I don't want to pick on you. You're just the youngest member here today. Doesn't make any difference. Anywhere in between. Jesus Christ loves you. There is nothing that you could do, have done, or will do that will get you off the Lamb's book of love, of life. There's nothing that, that can keep you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Sometimes we feel guilty about things. Sometimes the, 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 the weight of the guilt upon us is overwhelming. That's for us. We just look to God and say, God, Father, forgive me, a wretched sinner, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. No, nothing else. You don't, have, you, don't, you don't have to memorize the book of Romans and be able to recite it in Greek backwards. You have to have childlike faith and say, Lord Jesus Christ, today, forgive me. And it doesn't have to be a big showy thing. It just has to be in your heart. You say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. And he will. Oh boy, page three of six. We're not going to do it. Let me get to a good takeaway at the end here. 
do. 1 Samuel 7, or 17.46. Then the Philistines came, and they approached David, my man David. And they approached David with a shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistines looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth. Don't let them despise you because of your youth. And he was a ruddy and a handsome man in all appearances. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? That you have come out to me with sticks, little man? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. <laughs> Apparently the Philistines didn't see what happened to Nabat and Abinahu. So the Philistines also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the beasts of the field. That's something staring David right in the face. These big Philistines, he's got sticks, they got swords, they got power, they got the army behind them. There's little old David in the middle of the field. Then David said to the Philistines, I got a better way. I got a plan of attack to get out of here. David said to the Philistines, You come to me with sword and a spear, and a javelin? But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Little David, ruddy little face, cute little boy, the field, standing up to these guys. This is the, the day that the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will remove your head from you, and I will give the dead bodies to the armies of the Philistines this day, to the birds of the sky, to the wild beasts of this earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel, and all this the assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hands. David had boldness to say, I am with him. I will not back down. I am in the face of all this adversity. I am being stared down by the Philistines, and I don't care because the Lord of hosts, whom I esteem and I hallow, we're not going to face Philistines with javelins and spears and armies looking down at us, but we face difficult times. We face cancer. We face death in the family. We face paychecks not quite coming together. We face real kids driving us crazy, parents driving us nuts. We face these things. It's the Lord's battle. It's not yours. Your battle is to hallow Him in all those situations. Your, your charge is to look upon Christ and hallow him. Set him aside. Give him the honor and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And he will take care of those Philistines for you. So this week as you leave and go about your business, if you have any of those things I just mentioned, you got family problems, you got financial problems, you got a car that only starts when you're going downhill in third gear, you know, real problems, act like David. Stand up and say, I am I'm standing on the word of his promises that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And then the car may not start any better next week. 
But that's the Lord's battle. You know, the, the paycheck still might not, not quite get together. That's his battle. The kids might be... Is it just kids? That's the Lord's battle. Our, our job is to hallow him, focus on him, and he will fight those battles for us. And it's not going to be... You know, I, I saw this week that, that uh, Pastor Kareflo Dollar, you know, uh, asking this church to vote for a $65 million airplane for him. Boy, I hope he gets it. You know, that would be a pretty nice little deal. But I, I think I'd rather have my family together. I think I'd rather have, you know, the, the, the peace in my heart knowing that when I said goodbye to Betty, that she's with Jesus Christ. You know, I, I think I'd rather know that my kids are safe. You know, it'd be nice to have a $65 million jet. But if he wants to give me one, he'll give me one, right? We need to focus on Christ, hallow him, Respect and love him and follow his commands. Follow me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this message today. Thank you for giving us ears to hear it, opportunity to study it. But Lord, now I ask you to please open the doors in front of us. And we find places within our relationships and families and friends and community, Lord, that we can hallow your name. We can magnify you in our community and our in our families, Lord. When we're faced with insurmountable things, that we know that you're there to fight the battle for us and that you will overcome those things. Lord, we know it's not easy and we know we don't, you know, as Martin said, rub the little cross and the genie jumps out and helps us in every little battle. But we know, Lord, that you are with us every step of the way and for that we are eternally grateful forever and ever. Amen. Lord, be with us today. We love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Uh, just a note to the glorifying the Lord and everything is is something that just came to mind this week. Uh, we should also give thanks to the Lord and everything. But as uh, as I was going about 